You're listening to episode 231, and today we're talking all about our attachment styles. So if you have any types of relationship issues or struggles or themes that come up over and over and over, have you ever thought about what your attachment style is? Take a listen. Hello, welcome to Same Boat Huddle. So happy to have you here. I know that you missed me last week. If you listen regularly, I had the flu. I was probably well enough to record then, but... Um, you know, I'd, uh, I was the first to get it of a family of four and chose to use my energy to heal and support my family. So that's what I did. And I'll tell you what, it was really hard because I actually don't know if I've ever skipped a Monday in I don't know how many years. I think I'm completing my fifth year, fourth year, fifth year of podcasting and I know there's there's maybe one time that I had a moment of um intentionally and announcing that I was taking a break like at the end of the year or something so anyway I share that because you know you fight with consistency and showing up and doing the work and all of these trendy phrases and I think it's really important to be able to discern when we are showing up out of pride and ego or um, choosing to uh, move away from what we're labeling as consistency or showing up and actually showing up for yourself. Um, so anyway, that's a little bit of a tangent, but just a reminder that um, it's not always comfortable to do what's best for yourself. So anyway, here I am and um, always lots that I want to talk about. And today I decided I really want to focus on what is called the attachment theory. And um the reason why is I think it's, it's well, it's obviously always often, I mean, if you want to know what I'm working on in my life, you just listen to my podcast. <laughs> there you have it. But I find that this is so relevant in, for all of us. And I think maybe it's actually a little bit of a missing component inside of healthy relationships, meaning I think a lot of us do a lot of work. Um, for ourselves and inside of our relationships, whether it's our marriages or familial relationships or friendships or whatever it might be. Um, But when we are not aware of our attachment style or our the other person's attachment style, I think this can be um, a little bit of a missing piece in being able to heal and find healthy relationships. Um, So I figured I would introduce it to you today and hope that you can run with it. What I will say is that I don't have any specific resources that I want to offer. I'm actually looking to see if I still have. Yes. So the main resource that I have today is from Women's Health Magazine. Um, However, I've been doing a lot of research on my own. I have a workbook. Um, I studied this theory in undergrad and graduate school. Um, There's a lot of stuff out there, but I haven't utilized any resources or references enough to be able to say this is a really good one. Um, Really easy to find stuff, though. So you can go to your favorite place to buy books and uh, look up attachment theory books or workbooks. Lots of stuff out there. Most therapists are familiar, at least with the attachment theories. If you go to a family and marriage therapist, they're probably very familiar with attachment theory. 
Um, and just look around. There's there are actually attachment style coaches. <laughs> there, I mean, the resources are endless, and I think that it's really cool that this is actually becoming more popular. So, the theory was actually uh, founded in the 1960s by John Bowlby. Um, so it, it's relatively new. A lot of psychological theories were found in that mid-century time period. Um, not all of them, obviously, but a, a good bulk of them. Um, so if you think about it, we're only 60 years in. I learned about it 20 years ago. Um, and it's it's definitely picking up more speed. And I think it's just incredibly relative. So the, the it's actually one of my favorite theories that I studied in school because it was just so fascinating to me where there was this whole study around how children attach to their primary caregiver, very often the mother, but obviously not always. And what they did was um, they had the, the mothers or primary caregivers drop these infants and toddlers off, essentially. And, you know, they, they went with them to the, the study, but was, um, you know, a facade of like a, a play, play date kind of thing, and then would leave the children behind. So the psychologists would study how the children responded when the caretaker left and how the children would then respond when the caregiver came back. And they found that there are four different styles of attachment. So there's secure, anxious, avoidant, and fearful avoidant. And now what I think is most popular, if you will, like why it's become more popular, is because essentially whatever your attachment style is to your primary caretaker growing up, whoever you then attach to after that outside the home essentially takes that space, takes that spot, and you attach to them the same way. So traditionally, you leave the home to get married. However, we don't live traditionally very much anymore. So just know that like the next person who's most important to you outside of your primary caretaker, you've probably you probably attached to basically anyone important the same way. Good news is that, and maybe bad news in some cases, is that your attachment style is essentially moldable. So you could grow up with a secure attachment to a caretaker and then as a young adult or older teenager have a romantic relationship that was really unhealthy and it could create a different type of attachment style for you. So that's the bad news feeling of it, of how, you know, like, dang, I had a secure, like really healthy relationship with my parents growing up, but it got messed up because of this relationship. The good news is that it is, you can change it. You have, you have to do it through work and through therapy and, learning to communicate and and all the fun stuff but it is very changeable so just know that it's not this written in stone this is who i am um and that's it that's not true so what i want to do is just share with you how these attachment styles look in um, childhood and then how they look in adulthood again most of this information i have it written down um, and i might share some ad lib stuff that is just gained from um, my own readings and inner knowledge that I've gained wherever. Um, but most of what I share here, again, is from a w- women's health magazine. So a secure attachment for a child. So this is a child who generally feels content and safe and explorative. So they are con- this is the kid who, um, when they're dropped off in the classroom, they have no problem with their mom leaving. They're very confident, like, bye, mom, I love you. And then when mom comes to pick them up, they're very happy and mom, guess what I did today? And just very confident in being able to explore their world. And it's because they trust 
that their caregiver is able to meet their needs and they're consistent in how they show up for them in that way. As an adult, how this looks is that you feel fully connected to your partner or your friend or whoever that primary person is for you. And, and you feel free to explore your interests and other friendships securely. So it's, I, I like the phrase, um, you choose to live your life together, but separately, meaning like you have, so let's just kind of make it easy. We're going to talk about a marriage and partnership, but know this can apply to friendship and other relationships in your life, but it's choosing to have a life with somebody, but you have your individual lives as well that you, you live together essentially. And there's freedom to have relationships outside of the house and have other interests and hobbies that are not connected to your significant other. And there's a, a confidence and security in that. That So obviously, like secure attachment sounds lovely. And it's it really is like, a, that's what we're after, right? Is to have a secure attachment. But if you are a secure attach, a securely attached person, connected with someone who's not that it can be hard and we can push people away like we meaning our anxious the anxious avoidant fearful avoidant people um so an anxious attachment the child they're a child who's very like emotionally distant their caregiver is disengaged they um and they fail to provide that attention that a child needs and the child believes that they'll be let down by the caretaker um, and the babies struggle to self-soothe during separation. So this is the kid who is just um, inconsolable when when the caretaker leaves. And absolutely, like, they need someone else to be able to soothe their emotions. Um, again, just completely inconsolable. When you're an adult, this is someone who's very hungry for connection. Like, you, you need constant reassurance that this person loves you and is going to be there for you. There's this constant fear of abandonment because of how there is an inconsistency in how your caretaker showed up. Like you, you want and crave that attachment and that connection. But so you like cling to it because it's like, but if you go, are you even coming back? Like you've just been so cons- inconsistent and in being able to meet my emotional needs that if if I have it nearby, like I need to be sure you're always going to be there. So it's this, it's a very like think of anxiety. It's a very like high intensity type of attachment. So it's that person who is always texting <clears throat> and how are you? How's your day? Like when your spouse leaves the house, you need to know everything they're doing. You're talking to them all the time. You need to sit on the phone all the time. Are you eating lunch? Like there's just this constant need to be connected and if the person isn't answering the phone or answering your text, you're flipping out. Like you're completely flipping out. Where are they? Why aren't they answering? And then the head spins of like, they're cheating on me. They don't love me anymore. They're, I'm annoying them. What You know, it's just, again, like I, I can feel anxious even talking about it. This can sometimes push our partners away because it's just such an intensity. So if you're like in an early dating relationship, um, that can really kind of push people away. Of, of, I, I think like, you know, when you hear the phrase stage five clinger, I would say that's often somebody with um, an anxious attachment. My dog Ronan 100% has an anxious <laughs> attachment to me. Um, and this is, and not to make light of it, but I guess I, I'm like Chandler. I deal with discomfort through humor. Um, so we also, this type of person also often has a lot of jealousy and possessiveness. So very difficult time allowing um, your partner to have friendships outside of your relationship um, to, you know, like to go to happy hour with coworkers or like meet up with an old friend or 
um, have hobbies that don't include you, um, that can feel very hard for you. And again, and I say that like, so I just made a couple jokes, but I also like, it's not funny because it's very hard. Like you're someone who needs reassurance and to know that you're loved. And it's because you weren't shown that as a younger person. And so yes, of course, like you, you need that reassurance. So again, just remember that through work and communication is how we can begin to heal this type of attachment style and become secure. Um, the next kind is called avoidance. So as a child, this is when the caretaker is like completely neglectful, inconsistent, unresponsive. Um, this and so the child completely loses trust in their caregiver right they're just like i can't even trust this person because they're just never there at all um and they learn that the only person i can trust is myself so they learn to suppress their needs as a child because they want to preserve the relationship with their caregiver and it's like i can't Um, show my needs because clearly they can't meet them and I don't want to push them away through having emotional needs so I can't trust them to take care of me so I can't even show them what it is I need taken care of I will take care of myself so how this turns out into adulthood is that person who's very hyper dependent or I'm sorry hyper independent so this is the person I can do it myself I never ask for help I depend on no one I, I, you know, you, if you walk out of this house, doesn't matter because I can take care of myself. I make my own money. I don't depend on you. I don't want you depending on me. I am independent. And it's someone who just like is completely pushes away um, any displays of affection. And when they're stressed out, they completely withdraw and isolate. So it's just, it's someone who honestly has just a difficult time attaching and connecting at all. So you have your anxious person who desperately wants to connect, but is so scared of being abandoned that they cling. Then you have this avoidant person who is like, I don't even, like, I I don't even want to be attached to you. I have, it's like, I am so detached and disassociated from my feelings because I can't trust you at all. I cannot be vulnerable. I cannot trust you when I need something. I can only trust myself. So they might still have relationships, but they're the type of people where it's like you just feel the constant walls up and you just can't really get through to them. Um, So then the fourth kind is fearful avoidant. And this is the person, so this is the kid who um, has like inconsistent caregiving growing up, usually like abuse or alcoholism, divorce, and really this can happen in any of the, the types of attachments. But it's like, you know, sometimes the caregiver was there for them and able to connect and show up and then other times not so for example if you grew up with an alcoholic parent when they weren't drinking they were very present and fun and playful but then when they were drinking they were um, irritable and snapping at you and you just kind of never knew which parent you were going to get so you so this kid is always wanting connection with their parent, but they have um you're like hesitant because it's like is it safe but you you're someone who craves it so unlike the avoidant attachment they don't want connection at all like i just i can't even like i'm here don't depend on me i don't want to depend on you this person wants to connect with somebody but it's like touch and go it's like you can be really on with somebody and then you can pull back 
as soon as you get scared and like they show any sign or trigger of not being able to support you, you go into your shell because it's not safe. They're not, I don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to blow up on me? Are they going to walk away from me? So it's, it's more of like a touch and go type of attachment. Um, so also like when you were a child, this, you were often told maybe that when you showed emotion, like you're being a baby, you're oversensitive, you're being ridiculous, things like that. Um, and that's also when you learn to kind of, um, overcompensate by essentially, um, having an inappropriate level of independence for your age. So this is typically also like as an adult, you're the person who is anxious as hell on the inside. Like literally, this is me. If you don't know which attachment style I have, like anxious as hell on the inside, but on the outside, they look super calm and collected. This is the this is the adult who has their poop in a group all the time, and they take they overextend and take care of everybody. Like this is the over nurture. I take care of everyone. They can depend on me. I love taking care of you. I seem like I have all my stuff together, but then they snap. Like they're calm until they're not calm, right? Because they they can just they can just lose it because again it's that hot and cold. So as soon as they're overwhelmed, um, they also will just completely avoid asking for help because they don't trust. The connection like I, I haven't been shown that someone can show up for me when they say they're going to so I need to be independent as well um so again just a lot of fear of being hurt but also but again like really wants to have that connection so as you oh I'm over my 15 minutes guys oh I'm really struggling with this um okay so as you hear this go at you there are lots of quizzes online something I definitely recommend is as you understand and begin to learn your own attachment style really ask yourself what is the underlying thing here and that is what you need to communicate so don't get stuck on the finer details of a specific situation example I'll talk about the trash again I have been able to understand when my husband doesn't take out the trash, that's something that has bothered me a lot in the past. And it's, it's, I'm calm, I'm calm, I'm calm until I'm not, right? And I flip out about the trash and it's like, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Like it doesn't bother me like it bothers you. And for me, it wasn't getting stuck on the chore of taking out the trash. It was me being able to understand myself enough to, in in order to communicate with my husband, when you don't take out the trash, you know, I I feel abandoned. I feel forgotten about. I feel like I can't trust you to take care of me when you don't take out the trash. And there's more conversation there. And I'm not going to tangent because we're done. Um, but it's that's what we need to talk about, not the freaking trash. <laughs> we need to talk about how it, I need to know that I am loved and I can trust you. And part of creating that trust is taking out the effing trash consistently without me having to ask. So it seems stupid. It seems like just a chore. So begin to explore in your own life. What are the things, what are the themes that constantly come up in our arguments and disagreements and the tension between us? What is, what is it that continually comes up and dig underneath that? Like, what is it really about for me and what could it be about for them? And begin to have a deeper discussion about the significance of that. Um, and again, remember, this can be reprogrammed. You are not stuck with your attachment style. Um, and just also disclosure, we don't need to be upset with our caregivers. All of them showed up the best they could for us. Um, and that's it. And as we now are now adults, it is our responsibility to heal ourselves. It is not their, our caregiver's responsibility to go back in time and do it differently. 
if they want to heal their shit, they can. It's our responsibility to heal our own and not constantly point fingers of this is your fault. This is why I'm like this. Okay, maybe that can be true. Let's acknowledge your history and your childhood and your upbringing and your experiences. But now it is your job and your responsibility to heal yourself. And this is part of it. So I hope that this was insightful for you. I think it's very fascinating. Um, again, lots of quizzes online if you're not sure. Um, and again, another side note, you can, you don't, you're not isolated to one attachment style. Um, some researchers out there and, and therapists and things do believe in a primary attachment style and a secondary attachment style. So like I could be fearful avoidant primarily, but my secondary can definitely be secure. So I, I have, you know, you can kind of ping pong and and have a little bit of all styles, but maybe primarily align with one of them. And that's just, it's just good to know because then you can work towards that, that secure attachment. All right. As always, stay connected with me. Um, connect with me on Instagram at Aaron Joyce 725 It is a private account. Please send me a message to let me know who you are before um, I approve your request because I it is, again, a private account. Um, be sure to email me, Aaron at AaronJoyceCo.com. Connect with me. I always love hearing from you. And I think that's all. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And I will talk to you next week. 